And uh, just so you know, if you're an adult, through the summer months, our staff is rotating on preaching on Wednesday nights. And you need to come every Wednesday night and hear the staff of our church uh, preach the Word of God. They all do a magnificent job, and uh, this, this coming Wednesday is going to be a great time. I'm not going to tell you which one it is. You just need to show up. I do know which one it is, but you need to be here and uh, hear this guy preach the Word of God. Th- there were two balloonists who became lost over France, and they hovered in the clouds for several days, not really knowing their location. Finally, they managed to get the balloon down below the clouds, and they saw a man working out in the field. Hey, they shouted to the man, could you tell us where we are? And the old man called back, you're in a balloon. (laughs) Well, with that, the balloon ascended back into the clouds, and one balloonist said to his friend, that guy must be an accountant. The information is accurate, but useless. Either that or a politician. I don't know which of the two. Well, you know what? Sometimes it may seem like theology and doctrine and even Sunday morning sermons are like that. The information may be accurate, but it's neither practical nor relevant in our everyday lives. In an effort to reverse that, during these last Sunday summer Sunday mornings, uh, say that ten times real quick. I want to preach in July and August on some real practical messages from the Word of God. In fact, every one of them are going to be how-to sermons. We're going to deal with such subjects as how to get a good night's sleep. And from the looks of some of you, you need that one, let me tell you. How to cope with bad news. How to relax. And today, from Psalm 131... How to find inner peace. And the secret is found in Psalms 131. I'm going to read the entire psalm. Uh, Ronnie, it's only three verses, so you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation today. I love the way, especially verse number two is translated in this translation. Here's what the psalm says, Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, now and always. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Uh, Speak it into our hearts. And dear God, I pray that today you would give us inner peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of my favorite psalms are those found from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. They're called the Psalms of Ascent. And history tells us that Israelites would sing these psalms as they traveled from their villages to the city of Jerusalem for religious festivals in the Old Testament times. One of the shortest is Psalm 131, which, as Charles Spurgeon said, is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest psalms to learn. In this little passage, David tells us how we can avoid getting stressed out and how we can discover 
inner peace. We all have had days and maybe even weeks when our lives seem to be in turmoil. You know the feeling? When your life is just kind of swirling out of control. But you know what? That's really what life is. Apart from the perspective of God, our life is vain. It's very frustrating and it's even futile. We spend the first half of our life building up a healthy body and then we spend the last half just trying to keep it. Hmm? We spend the first half of life trying to establish uh, our reputation. And then the last half we spend trying to keep people from forgetting us. Hmm? We spend the first half of life making friends and then one by one we spend the second half of our life saying goodbye to these friends. We spend the first half saying hello, the second half saying goodbye. We enter this world with absolutely nothing. And then as time goes on, we begin to accumulate things slowly. Uh, I'm just, I just had an image right here. When Angie and I first got married, we had a bedroom set and a ping pong table. <laughs> That's it. The house was absolutely empty. Now, now there, there are things packed in the garage and the attic is full of junk. huh? So we enter the world with nothing. Slowly we begin to accumulate things. And then you know what? One by one, we begin to lose those things. Leaving this world just as we entered it. I'm telling you, Job knew exactly what he was talking about when he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Hmm? Nothing on earth is permanent, everything is fleetingly temporal. Even as John said, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of this world. And the world is passing away. But oh, how we strive and how we struggle to hold on to everything that is around us, don't we? Ninety percent of worry involves the fear of losing those things that seem dear to us. We're afraid of losing our health or losing our money, or losing our husband or our family members. We're afraid of losing our job or our cherished dreams. We're afraid of losing that four-point GPA. Well, I wasn't afraid of that because I never had one of those. Or maybe losing the spot on the team. I'm here to tell you, people in the River Valley today are whirling with worry. They're spinning with stress. They are filled with with fear, scrambling to hang on to the things that they can never ultimately keep. <laughs> the Christian, however, is cut from a different pattern. For the Bible assures us that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I love the words of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And then who could ever forget the words of Jesus? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Of course, you know the reality of that. When we're hanging on to life by a single thread, we're not thinking that way, though, are we? When we're hanging on to life by a single thread, we're thinking like the unsaved world. And that is, my friends, a form of worldliness. Because I'm here to tell you, worldliness isn't just limited to drunkenness or profanity or watching X-rated movies. It also extends to the frantic fear which characterizes the lives of people who have never met the Prince of Peace. David had apparently been having a struggle with this type of worldliness himself. And that's why he wrote Psalm 131. All three verses. Uh, Let me direct your attention to verse 3 before we go back up to verse 1. In in verse 3, he tells everyone what he has found. What is it? He says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. That's what he found. He found hope (laughs) through a person, the Lord God himself. And through that hope, David experienced what you're longing for today, and that is inner peace. In verse number one, we learn that in order to have hope and peace, we must quit our striving. We do that by trusting God from the very outset with all of life's concerns. Look at verse one with me again. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. The words proud and haughty are two different Hebrew terms which almost have an identical meaning. They refer to something that is high and lifted up. And in the context of Psalm 131 verse 1, it means the pride, the pride of life which makes you feel like you have a right to live your life apart from the commands of God himself. Now, I want to say something that is pretty straightforward, and I hope you you take it with all the love that I have in my heart for you this morning. But here's the problem with a lot of us. There are some of us here today, no, in fact, there are a lot of us here today that are so proud and so haughty that we want to direct and produce and star in our own show without any reference from the author of the script. You want to set your own goals. You want to develop your own lifestyle without reference to God. But you know what you're doing when you try to do that? You are involving yourself in matters that are too great for you. Matters that are too wonderful for you. Even as David said, matters that are too awesome for you. You are trying to be God. Literally, you are trying to be the God of your own life. But I warn you, that is the very sin that doomed the devil. Pride. As I studied Psalm 131 verse 1, my mind went to Proverbs 20 verse 24, which says, A man's steps are numbered by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Now let me tell you, that verse goes against the teachings and the mindset and the philosophy of this world. 
but that verse is reality. How in the world can a man understand his own ways? He can't. So I think David was literally praying in Psalm 131, Lord, my heart is not so proud nor is it so haughty that I presume to know what is best for me. Because I don't. I can't see the end from the beginning, nor can I see into the future. Those things are too wonderful for me. They're too great for me. They're too awesome for me. They are above me. Those things are not even my concerns, Lord. They're your concerns. So I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to fume. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to give my life to you, God. I'm going to obey your word, and I'm going to seek to do your will. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to make prayerful plans for the future, and I'm going to try to number my days aright, but from the first to the last, I am going to say, not my will, but thine be done. For how can anyone understand his own way? A man's steps are numbered by the Lord. Church, let me just be frank with you and open and honest with you. Some of you came here today looking for something. You're you're struggling with life. Your, your, Your whole world, your whole life is spinning out of control. And you're longing for this inner peace that I'm talking about. You came here today looking for it, but you don't have it. And the reason you don't have it is because you have never given control of your life over to God. You're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to direct, produce, and star in your own life story. You can't do that, man, and have inner peace. You can only have inner peace when you give control of your life over to the Lord. You are assuming the responsibility of directing the course of your own life, and you're not qualified to do that. Only God is. You need to give everything in your life to Jesus Christ. You need to come today and and lay everything out on the altar and present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. You need to say to God, Lord, I'm I'm tired of struggling. I'm going to quit struggling against you. I am going to give you control of everything. So, Lord, I give you my mind, my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my hands, my feet, my heart, my emotion, my will. I give it all to you, God. Everything, lock, stock, and barrel, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to quit struggling against you, and I'm going to start living for you. Sure, Lord, I'm I'm going to do my best. I'm going to make some goals and set some plans, but I'm going to give those to Christ. And I'm going to give up my will for your will. And if things don't go exactly as I hoped they would go, I'm not going to despair. Why? Because I belong to you, Lord. And I know that you know what's best for my life. So, church, listen to me. Quit your struggling. Quit your struggling by trusting him from the outset with all of life's concerns. Number two, you need to quiet your soul. Not only quit your struggling, you need to quiet your soul by trusting God with the outcome of all life's concerns. Look at verse 2. David said, instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. A couple of words I want you to grab here at the beginning. The words calmed and quieted. They are similar Hebrew terms 
which literally mean leveled. Calmed and quieted mean leveled. Both words were used to describe the sea after the passing of a storm. The waves would begin to subside and the swell would level out. You know, that's often a picture that the Bible used to illustrate inner peace, the calmness of a water, the calmness of the ocean. No waves, no turbulence, no storms. It's just calm. Man, I'd like that for my soul right now, wouldn't you? Just calm. And, and if David were saying that, that would be a beautiful picture. But that's not the picture that David uses to talk about inner peace in verse number 2. Instead of telling us about the calming of a storm-swept ocean, David tells us of the peace of a cradle child. Listen to what he said. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. And then he repeats that later on. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. So the picture that he gives us is of this child resting in its mother's lap. I thought about having that as an illustration up here for you. And a mama up here with her baby, but with my luck, it'd start crying. <laughs> and it wouldn't be very peaceful. But, but just think about that picture. A little baby in its mama's lap. Mama's rocking it. And it's sleeping, just peaceful. Okay, that, that is a beautiful picture of the comfort that God gives his children. It really is. Now, I think most of y'all know me. I've been here 20 years almost. And you know that we, we, Angie and I are in the process of raising three kids. Uh, I'm not going to say they're fully raised yet because uh, we're, still, we're still in the process. But we've, we've made certain milestones in that. Our youngest one is now 17, so we've, we've gone through the, the, uh, the years of them crying out in fear at night, you know, and being troubled at night. In fact, I told the first service, I, I, had, a, I had a dream last night that we had another baby. Angie and I had another. And what did you say? It was a nightmare. So what did you See, that wasn't a dream. That was a nightmare. But it, it, man, I'll tell you... It, it, it was a real dream. Do y'all ever dream in color? They tell me if you dream in color, it's, it's got to come true. <laughs> this was a real life color dream, and, and we had another baby. It was, a, it, it was a little girl, but let me tell you, if Angie and I had another little baby, it would be a boy, and I would have to name him Houdini because I'm way too old to be having any other kids. I mean, okay? But we had this little baby girl, and uh, she was blonde-headed. And here's the cool thing. I'm just, I'm just sharing my heart with you right now. Here's the cool thing about my dream. This little baby girl was a, a mix of Whitney and Callie. I mean, she had blonde hair, but her facial features was just a blend of, of my two girls, Whitney and Callie. So I called her Calwit. <laughs> I said, come here, Calwit. She came up. I don't Maybe, maybe what I was doing is dreaming about grandkids, huh? Because I hear they're the ticket, aren't they? Well, let me get back to my point right here. I can remember when my kids were little bitty babies. And something would happen during the middle of the night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and they would cry out in fear. You could tell by their cry that they were fearful. They were afraid. I don't know, maybe they were having a bad dream. And so... Angie and I would, would wake up. I would act like I was still asleep. I mean, 
It's been so long ago, I can be truthful about it now. I just, I would act like I was still sleeping, even though it did wake me up. But Angie would jump out of bed. She would run to their room and, and scoop them up out of their cradle. And, and then I'd start feeling, Wes, I'd start feeling guilty about it because I, I didn't get up first. And so I would get out of bed and just kind of go check, you know, knowing I was going to get to come right back to bed. Come on, guys, let's be honest. That's, don't we, isn't that what we did? Some of you can't agree with that because you still have little babies right now. And I just let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? But here's what I remember seeing time and time again, whether it's Whit or, or Cal or Zane never cried out. He was never afraid. So it, it had to be either Whitney or Callie. And, and uh, I'd walk by and, and there Angie would be in, in the dark room, in the rocking chair, and she'd have that baby and she'd just be rocking. And the fear would have subsided. And it was peaceful sleep. And I'd give her the thumbs up. Way to go, babe. I'm probably not going to get lunch today, am I? So. Here, here's the point. That's the picture David is painting for. This is the way it is with the child of God. We come to Christ with our fear. We can bury ourselves in His promises. And we can be cradled in his love. But, but notice the adjective that David used here. He said, like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. And, and I had to do a, a kind of a step back when I read, a weaned child? Really? Why, why would he say a weaned child? Well, we know from ancient sources that in this ancient Hebrew culture, children were weaned very late in life. They didn't have Gerber's baby food. They didn't have strained juice bottles. Children were fed with their mother's milk until they were three years old. Now, can you imagine what a shock it was for a hungry little fella, three years old, who suddenly one day, without explanation or warning, woke up and went into the breakfast room expecting to have a meal and mama tell him the restaurant is closed. <laughs> and she pushes him away. Something which he felt was essential to his happiness had suddenly been taken away by the very person who had always lovingly provided it. Tears and tantrums do no good. He struggles until exhaustion and finally reduced to whimpering resignation. He climbs up into his mother's lap to be comforted by the very one who had caused his distress by withdrawing the gift that he had become dependent upon. That's sad. But only gradually does little Johnny see that his mother knew best. Lovingly weaning him from milk so that he could start enjoying steak and taters and apple pie with ice cream. <laughs> now let me, let me draw the lesson here. On this earth... There are things that we begin to accumulate, relationships that we cherish, opportunities that we treasure, and yes, even possessions that we covet. 
And we can become quite dependent upon these things for our happiness, though none are permanent in this world. And one by one, we begin to lose these things. We lose our youthfulness and our athletic vigor. We lose our children who grow up and leave home. We lose our health, which fails. We lose our spouse who dies or divorces us. We lose our employment and we settle for retirement years. One by one by one, the things that we have spent our lives accumulating are withdrawn by the very one who gave them to us to begin with. We throw tantrums and we shed tears. We try to hold on vainly to what we cannot keep. And guess what? We get mad at God. Just like a little child gets mad at its mother. But church, listen to me. If we will just be still long enough to rest in his loving lap, we will begin to realize that he is weaning us from the things which are temporary so that we can begin to enjoy those things that are eternal. Wow. So let's be honest today. Can we, let's be real. Let me ask you, who is directing, producing, and starring in your life? And if you say, well, I guess, preacher, if I'm honest, it's me. Well, let me ask you, how's that going for you? If you're honest, probably not very good. You're filled with fear, your life is spinning out of control, and you cannot ever obtain that one thing that you're longing for, inner peace. Well, why not this morning climb up into the lap of the God who created the universe and who created you and loves you more than a mother loves its child? Turn your struggling into quiet rest, quit your striving, and trust Him. And you'll find such peace that you'll want to do what David did in verse number 3. And that is tell somebody else about it. What does he say in verse 3? O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. For in this whole wide world, that is the one and only secret to having perfect peace. It's when you put your hope in God. It's when you trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you do what the Bible says, you make peace with God. When you make peace with God, you'll have the peace of God. And if that's what you're really looking for today, quit your struggling and quiet your soul. Come to 